and his mercy endures forever. So I had a few young people that said, listen, my humor today is really, really corny. So give me thumbs up or thumbs down. So they gave me thumbs up. So I won't tell you who they are, but you can blame them for this because they said, yeah, say it. Here's this corny humor. Are you ready? It's so stupid. A nine-year-old kid disappeared after using a cream that makes you look 10 years younger. <laughs> That's bad. Are you glad to be here this morning? You know what I think we ought to do? I think we ought to give all of our students and college students, I think we ought to give them a big hand. We're... We're proud of all of you. I am definitely going to watch the time, but I do have something in my spirit. I want to talk this morning. Hopefully I won't go more than 30 minutes. I'm going to do my best, but I'm going to talk this morning about how to handle pressure. If you've ever felt pressure of any kind, can I see your hand? And the rest of you are lying. We've all felt pressure, right? Let's talk about that for just a minute. God bless you. You can be seated. The story of Daniel is an amazing story. It's a rags to riches story. And it starts off that Daniel is a 15-year-old young man, and he is going into exile. If you're with me, say amen. amen. So it starts off at the age of 15, and then as you look at his life, he is 85 years of age. The end of his life at the age of 85, Daniel has served five different kings. He has saved, literally helped to save the empire three different times. Daniel is quite an amazing man. And at the age of 85, he is the most powerful man in the kingdom except for King Cyrus. If you study Daniel a little bit, you will find out that Daniel was separated from his parents at the age of 15. And history says he never saw them again. History says that when he left and went into exile at the age of 15, that he never got to go back to his homeland, never got to return back to Jerusalem. And as you dig deeper into Daniel's life, as a prisoner of war, Daniel could have become very bitter toward Babylon because Babylon made him a eunuch. Now, I will not get into what that means. Your parents can tell you what that means when you get home. But, but just the general meaning of that is they did something to Daniel that he was not able to have a family. Babylon did that to him. He could have been very bitter toward Babylon for making him a eunuch. He could have been very bitter toward the people of Israel because it was their sin 
repeatedly their sin, prophet after prophet had come and warned Israel, if you do not change and and begin to go back to worshiping your God, then here's what's going to happen. You're going to be led out of Jerusalem and you will go into exile. And so it was literally the sins of the people that was causing Daniel to have to go into exile. So he could have been bitter over that. The next thing he could have been bitter over is the Bible specifically says that God turned the king of Israel, and I believe it was Jehoiakim, into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar. So in a sense, he could have also got upset at God because in a sense, it's like, God, why did you allow this to happen? Why did my people do this to me? Why did Babylon do this to me? But here is the interesting thing about Daniel. Daniel doesn't get bitter. Daniel chooses greatness. Now, I know that a lot of times in American mindset, we think that greatness is just bestowed upon someone or someone is born into greatness. But I totally disagree with that. I believe that greatness is a matter of choice. You can choose, ladies and gentlemen, and a choice is a very powerful thing. You can choose for life to make you bitter or you can choose for life to make you better. But at the end of the day, it's not so much what happens to you as what happens in you. And Daniel made the choice and he chose greatness. Now, whether you read about Daniel and he starts at the age of 15 in scripture or you read about him at midlife or you read about him at retirement. Daniel is an exceptional man. And here's where we pick up the story in the book of Daniel. I believe it is. We're going to go to chapter one and verse five. But before I get there, I want to just set the foundation for what I believe is really a verse in the scripture that explains Daniel's life. And it's found in Proverbs 17 and three new living translation. It says this, that fire tests the purity of silver and gold, but the Lord tests the heart. Here's what I have learned as I have studied the life of Daniel. Here's what I've learned. And that is this. God tests us with stress before he trusts us with success. You're not just going to school, university, college, high school, middle school to take tests. You are literally being tested because God is going to test all of us with stress before he trusts us with success. I'm going to talk about that just a minute because this year as you go to middle school, high school, elementary, as you go to college, you're going to be pressured to do something that you know is wrong. If you're with me, say amen. Amen. Your peers are going to put you under pressure. 
The culture is going to put you under pressure. And we talk about peer pressure as something for 14 and 15 year olds. I will tell you that I still feel pressure from this culture and I'm 55. I don't know that we will ever, even as mature adults, graduate from some sort of pressure. The culture wants you to conform to it. People want you to conform to what they want. There's all kinds of pressure to perform to what the culture and what people want. And I'm going to just talk for just a minute on how do we handle pressure. The most powerful man in the world at the known time, his name was Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar came to Daniel and he told him, I'm going to put you, son, through a three-year training program. You don't need your Bible anymore. You don't need your God anymore. You're going to have a new religion. I'm going to teach you a new language and I'm going to give you a new name. And here's where we pick up the story in Daniel 1 and 5. The king ordered that the young men should eat the same food and wine served at the king's table while they were being trained. This is a three-year training program. Next verse. After that, after what? The three-year training program. They were to become servants of the king of Babylon. Check this out. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with royal food and wine. And he asked the chief officer for permission not to defile himself. Now, this is very important. Daniel is standing before the most powerful man in the known world. And here's what he's saying as a 15 year old. I'm sorry, but your food does not fit my dietary restrictions. I'm sorry, King, but listen, if at all possible, I, I really do not want to partake of your food. And as I'm studying Daniel, he uses an incredible amount of humility and tact as he requests not to eat it. But he's basically very tactful saying, I'm not going to conform to what you want me to do. And you may say, why? Because as a Jew, Daniel was required to obey strict Jewish dietary laws. And there was some foods that he couldn't eat. Now, these Jewish dietary laws mean nothing to you and I today. But back in that day, they could not eat pork. They could not eat bacon. There was a lot they could not eat. And it was part of being a Jew and the Jewish culture. And it was actually against the will of God for them to eat certain things. But this culture wanted Daniel to cave in to what they wanted him to do. And they wanted him to buy into their values. But here's something very important to all of you parents. Don't you dare think that for the first 15 years, you can't put some good seed into your kids. 
because Daniel is 15. He doesn't have parents around him. Nobody is coaching him. He's looking at the most powerful man in the world and he's saying, I want to politely and respectfully decline. Why? Because my mom and my dad put some things into me as a child that taught me who I am and I'm just not going to do this. Man, I'm really trying to hurry, but I want to tell you as an eight-year-old child, we lived in the Parsonage in East Texas, and every night my father would come in, and he would require me to speak three commandments from memory. He would require me to say a verse, and one of the verses that he wanted me to speak is, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor rather than silver or gold. He was constantly asking me to memorize the word. I memorized the whole book of John, and I memorized a lot of scripture. That's because of my dad. And guess what? There are times when you are under pressure that you go back to that word. I'm I'm not doing this because I can't do it, but I'm doing this because I don't want to go against the word of God. What are you saying? I'm saying you can put a lot of good in your kiddos by the time they're 15 and you ought to go into their bedroom and ask them to quote you a commandment to hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one and thou shalt love him with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. What were they trying to get Daniel to do? They were trying to get him to forget his identity and conform to theirs. My sweet brothers and sisters, if we want the blessings of God upon us in this culture, we ought to look and pattern some things after Daniel. How did he handle that pressure? He never forgot who he was. Say it with me. He never forgot who he was. Daniel basically looked at the most powerful man in the world and said this, Sir, you can change my address. You can change my name. You can take my Bible. You can ask me to serve other gods, but you're not going to change my heart. My heart is fixed on Jehovah, and I have made a choice not to defile myself. I'm not going to conform to your values. To everyone in this room, if you do not decide who you are, the world and your peers will decide for you. Romans 12 and 2 says this. Don't be conformed to the values of this world. Instead, let God transform you by a complete change of the way you think. We have two choices in life, my sweet brothers and sisters, and that is to conform to the culture or to be transformed by the power of God. If you decide to conform to the world, then guess what? You're going to look the same. You're going to act the same. You're going to talk the same. And you're going to be more interested in looking like, acting like, and talking like everybody else instead of being who God created you to be. But if you are transformed, changed through the power of his word, then you're going to stand out in a crowd. You won't follow the herd. 
You'll learn to say no to lesser things because you say yes to something greater. And when Daniel felt the pressure to conform, here's what he did. First of all, he did not forget who he was. He did not forget who he was. Second thing, he did not forget to control his ego and his appetite. If you're a man in here, you got an ego. And some of us have bigger ones than others. But Daniel, when he was under pressure, he just controlled his ego. He showed humility. He showed great tact. But he just said, I've made up in my mind, sir, that I'm not going to eat your food and I'm not going to drink your wine. Thank you very much, but I'm not going to do it. Now, see, this is not a big deal to you because this is 2,500 years later, but I want to bring it home. You think about, you're a 15-year-old young man. You're taken by force out of your country. You have no parental supervision, and the most powerful man in the world is standing before you and saying this, hey, I want you to be on my personal staff, son. You got great potential. I want you to be on my personal staff. You're a good looking young man. I can tell you're sharp. You got it together upstairs. I want you to be on my staff. And if you will consent to being on my staff, I'll give you all kind of perks in the palace. I'll pamper you. You'll have the best education. You'll eat expensive gourmet food from my table. I'll give you everything you would want. I'm going to ask you a question. Be honest. You really think you could turn that down? I mean, come on, let's get honest here this morning. Let's just get honest. How does Daniel turn it down? I'll tell you. How does he handle pressure? Because at 15, he's got deep convictions. He's got some deep convictions that his mom and dad have put into him from day one. And here's the other thing. He's got a made up mind. My Lord, I wish I had time to preach. There are very few things more powerful in the world than a made-up mind. Mm. You know what Daniel didn't know? He had no clue that 2,500 years later, we're going to be reading about him. He did not know that at the time. All he knew is, I'm not going to do that. That's not who I am. You're not going to make me forget my identity. I'm not going to bow. I am not going to bend. Hey, you know, if I got to go to the fire, I got to go. But this is who I am. If you want to stand out in the crowd, then don't bow down to the culture. Can I keep going? Did you know there's some guys I, I, I was, again, studying, and I, I found out that there's some guys who have actually won the Heisman Trophy. They've won the Heisman Trophy, but they got cut from their team. And this has actually happened. Why did these guys who win the greatest award in, in collegiate sports get cut from their team? And here's the answer. Because they had talent, but they party too much. It simply means this, young people, your gift can take you where your character can't keep you. 
I've seen it time and time again. I've seen it in ministry. I've seen it in the arts. I've seen it in music. I've seen it in movies. I've seen it in sports. Time and time again, a person's gift is greater than them. Their gift is greater than them. And their gift can take them where their character can't keep them. But that's not the case with Daniel. Daniel says to the most powerful man in the world, I'm going to serve you, sir, because God put me here. But I'm not going to be conformed by you. You can give me all kind of perks. You can give me all kind of things. But I'm never going to forget who I am. This is a very important part. Here's, here's what Daniel did. He said, just because I can do it doesn't mean I should do it. And I know a lot of adults, a lot of adults that hadn't got that. Just because you can buy that doesn't mean you should buy that. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. So how did Daniel handle the pressure? Number one, he never forgot who he was. Number two, he had a made-up mind. Number three, he had strong convictions. Number four, Daniel was courageous and he was willing to stand alone. I'd love to tell you when you go to your school and you begin to witness that you're going to have everybody flock around you and you're going to be the most popular kid in your school. I hope it happens. But if it doesn't happen, it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. It just means you have decided not to follow the herd, not to bow down to the crowd. You have decided just because I can do something doesn't mean I should do something. What Daniel does is not easy. It took courage. It took great courage for a 15-year-old to tell him, Sir, thank you very much. I'm honored to be here, but I'm not conforming to your values, and I'm not going to eat your food. What made it even more difficult is he wasn't the only Jewish male in the program. He had three friends with him. The Bible doesn't say. It does not say. So I'm going to just formulate something. What if, it doesn't say that they did this, but it doesn't say. What if his three Jewish friends looked at Daniel and said, Daniel, come on, dude. It's just a little bit of food. We're not even living in Jerusalem anymore. We're not even there. What does it matter what we eat? It's the king's food. Dude, you got an opportunity of a lifetime. Why don't you just eat the meat? What's the big deal? I don't know that they said it. I don't know that they didn't say it. But I know peer pressure. So there may have been a good chance that they did say that because nowhere in Scripture are they against eating the king's meat. Daniel, why don't you do it? Why don't you do it? Doesn't say it again. This is just me. But I think if I know Daniel the way I've studied him, he would have looked at them and this is what he would say. Just because I can, guys, don't mean I should. And if you want to, that's your business. But I made up in my mind, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do it. Why? Because he was courageous and he was willing to stand alone. And history has proven, history has proven that the majority is wrong much of the time. 
And just because the majority likes a particular value or just because the majority likes a particular law does not mean that the value or the law is right. This is, this is a different version of Exodus 23 and 2, but it is powerful. Here it is. Never follow the crowd in doing wrong. And we're all tempted to do it. How many times have we all been at school and someone start talking about something and you know that it's not right, it's flat out wrong, but you don't say a word. I've done it, you've done it, we've all done it. Why? Because it's pressure. And we don't want to be the odd man out. How did Daniel handle that pressure? He never forgot who he was. He stood out because he didn't bow down. He controlled his ego. He wanted to please God more than he wanted to please people. And Daniel was willing to stand alone. I am done. And here's my closing remarks. The world desperately needs Daniels today. The world desperately needs Daniels today. And God is looking for men and women who are unafraid of the challenge of our culture and who are unafraid of the disapproval of people. I'm trying to keep this under 30 minutes, but I'm going to tell you, it gets on my ever-loving last nerve when people talk about how we worship. But you watch an ACDC concert. You watch a concert from the world and they are literally picking people up and it's called body surfing. And they're surfing people through the crowd. Can y'all imagine on a Sunday morning if we surf Sister June through the crowd? They get up and do the wave. I, I did. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to confess to you something. I intentionally watched a few minutes of a concert. And in the notes, it said that for over two hours, they never sat down. They stood and they jumped. And guess what? They paid to get in there. And I'm going to tell you right now, they probably didn't pay $2.50 to get a ticket. And they jumped for two and a half hours. And it's really, you know what it really is? It's really human worship. I watched a few minutes of it and their hands are raised. They're going back and forth. And one girl, I watched her. She was on the shoulders of somebody and she was literally worshiping like this. And the world wants to call us crazy because we come and we clap and we worship and we may, you know, dance just a little bit. I'm going to tell you something, folks. I don't think we're crazy. I think the world is crazy. I, I, I really don't believe that. I, I really don't believe that the world should outdo us. 
We ought to give God our best. And there ought to be something in this house that when people walk into it, they say, this is different than anything I ever felt. This has a different feel than a concert. I'm feeling something different in this room than I've ever felt before. So I think that what we ought to start doing is saying, listen, you do what you want and you dance to who you want to. But I'm going to tell you this, ACDC didn't bring me out of darkness. They put me into it. But I want to tell you about a man that brought me out of darkness. I want to tell you about a man that's helping me get off of addictions and changing my life. Come on, somebody stand to your feet and let's give God some praise in this house. Come on, we can all do better than that. Let's give God some praise in this house. I am doing my very best not to scream at you. In fact, please turn me down a little bit because I don't want to scream at you. But there is so much passion in my heart because I want to speak to some modern day Daniels. I want to speak to some modern day Daniels that will have some convictions that says just because I can do it doesn't mean I should do it. If you want to bow down to that, that's fine. That's your business. But I'm going to stand out by not bowing down. I'm trying to hurry. I want all of us, all of us, all of us under the sound of my voice. You say, okay, pastor, what do you want us to do? I want every one of us to be people of integrity. I want us to be people of deep convictions. Your convictions may be different than mine, but have them. And don't let anybody take them from you. And just because they laugh at you, let them laugh. Don't matter. You ain't paying my bills anyway. I ain't living for your approval. I'm living for an audience of one. I want us all in this room to be people of integrity, people of humility. And when God blesses us, we don't have to broadcast it. None of that. Every good thing that we have, ladies and gentlemen, comes from God. In Him, we live and move and have our being. I want every one of us to be generous, generous, disciplined, and have courage. I want all of you to make a buck. Yes, I do. I want all of you to make the best buck you can. But more important than making a buck, I want all of us to make a difference. We're going to use all of our dollars together to support missions around the world and do some incredible things. So yes, we need to make a buck. Yes, it takes a dollar to pay our bills, but more importantly than making a buck is being a person of conviction to say, I'm going to make a difference. And 2,500 years later, Daniel is still inspiring people. Would you bow your head? Father, we want your blessings on our life.